You artists have a special relationship to beauty. Beauty, like truth, brings joy to the human heart. Beauty is an invitation to savor life and a dream of the future. Beauty is a key to the mystery and a call to transcendence. Beauty is the vocation bestowed on you by the Creator. And the gift of artistic talent. None can sense more deeply than you, artists. Ingenious creators of beauty that you are. That beauty will save the world. Welcome back to another episode of Letter to Artists, brought to you from the vault at John Paul the Great Catholic University in Southern California. This podcast is inspired by the beloved St. Pope John Paul II's Letter to Artists, hoping to unite a community of creative Catholics to encourage one another to use our artistic talents to impact culture for Christ. I'm your host, Bailey Garland, and today's episode is very unique. Normally, I'm not a live girl, but it's you're almost live. I mean, you're going to be getting this, this interview hot off the press. I am joined by an incredibly special guest who has close ties with a new documentary being released in U.S. theaters actually this Thursday. It's called Free. And it offers an unprecedented glimpse into the lives of cloistered men and women, something that is so rare to see. So you won't want to miss it. Um, we're going to be promoting it, promoting it all throughout the episode. Um, but and we've been promoting it on our JP Catholic website and any close connections with lettered artists and, and JP Catholic. So you want to look up local theaters near you to find the showtimes and tickets. Um, it's called free and I'm so excited about it. I've already got my ticket, um, but I have... Um, an awesome woman who's closely um, connected to the documentary, Amanda Melefs. Oh, I'm going to butcher her name. I practice it so much too. Malevsky Breyer. I'll have her correct me when she comes on. <laughs> um, and she is a producer and a media strategist based in New York, where she serves as um, creative director for Ministry of Agency. Her work includes credits on the movies such as Bella, The Human Experience, and Discovery's Treasure Quest. She produced and directed the docuseries Vatican II, Inside the Council, and she has produced international coverage of papal apostolic visits and media events, and she's currently heading up this international partnerships for Bosco Films Documentary Free. So I'm so excited to welcome her on. Welcome, Amanda. Thanks, Bailey. I'm glad to be here. I'm so happy you could make it. Um, really quickly, we're going to enter our conversation in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, as we always do. Um, and I'm really just excited to have you on, Amanda. How's it been going? How's Have you been super busy, I'm sure, with the coming out so soon here on November 2nd? Yeah, it's been a wild ride <laughs> a couple past months, but especially uh, this week, because any time leading up to a film release, uh, the campaign really goes into high gear about 10 days before a film comes out in wow. theater. So. Yeah. So you are in mad crunch time right now. Yeah, we are. We're just running. We're like, we're, we're on the go. We're the antithesis of the monks that are in the film. They're yeah. very like calm and peaceful. And I have to like really hold that intention with my work because it's easy to kind of get wound up and keep going, going, going. And eventually, um, that leads to burnout and that leads to like overwhelming stress, but in small bursts, you know, with prayer interspersed and bring myself back to why I'm doing what I'm doing. It kind of helps you along the way. Oh, absolutely. And that kind of leads into my first question. I love to have a good icebreaker. I want to ask you, who is your favorite saint? Who's the one that kind of you like to imitate throughout your day to day as you carry the chaos? Mm. I would say imitation. Uh, well, I don't know if I can imitate, but <laughs> I will. I will call in different uh, saints in intercessory prayer throughout the day. Um, 
I pray for my kids and I, I ask um, their patrons to, to pray for them throughout the day. Um, and then I, you know, I don't want to kind of be like the vanilla of uh, <laughs> go to the vanilla of the saints, but I, I love asking Mary to pray with me throughout the day too. And for me, um, so with my kids, I'll pray for St. Max Colby to pray for me and for them, um, or St. Um, Peter Julian, I mark. So those oh, are just wow. some of the saints. But in my work, yeah, it depends on, you know, I like I like both of them. They have really awesome stories. But I have like a whole litany of saints that I like to <laughs> learn about and pray with, you know. So. Oh, that's beautiful. Tell us a little bit about St. Peter. Um, which St. Peter were you speaking of? St. Peter Julian. So yeah. he um, he was a French priest and he had a great devotion to the Blessed Sacrament. And um, yeah, so he was, in, um, he he joined, I forget which order it was that he first joined, but then he became um, the founder of an order, of a religious order that has the, the Holy Eucharist at its center core. So oh, wow. I would say both of, both of my kids, like patron saints are, somebody special to me too, yeah. you know, oh, that's my personal beautiful. life. I, I like, I love those stories. I mean, those are storytelling is kind of the way that the lives of saints capture our imagination, but it's, it's history blended with spirituality. Right. And anybody who loves history, anybody who loves diving into those biographies, I feel like it's such a great entry point for, exploring the Catholic faith mm-hmm. too. No oh, I love that. And I love that you just said it's history blended with spirituality because um, I feel like that's going to be a perfect segue into talking about the documentary that, <laughs> that you've been working on <laughs> free. I, I wasn't going to jump there right away. Normally I like to build, but how do you kind of see, well, tell us a little bit about let's, I'll go back to my normal. I'll rewind it. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Amanda. Where are you from? Who are you? Are you, have you always been Catholic or have you had a conversion? Anything like that? <laughs> I, um, okay. Who am I? <laughs> <laughs> so I, um, I was born and raised Catholic in a Catholic home, um, in a Catholic community in parish in Maryland. Uh, I grew up there and I went on to study at Franciscan University of Steubenville, and I studied communications there, and then also some philosophy. I also minored in philosophy. Had a great experience studying abroad in Austria during my college years. Um, That was actually the first time I kind of encountered monasticism in the in the tradition uh, in the European tradition, right? I went to study abroad at the Cartauza. So for anybody who's familiar with, for example, Franciscan study abroad program, or like um, I know the ITI, um, the International Theological Institute was housed there for a while. Um, There were a couple other organizations and um, universities that had varying different programs there. Um, But it was a beautiful Carthusian monastery. I think one of the largest um, that had been converted into a university and hotel. So today you can go and you can visit there. It's very beautiful. Um, but they still maintain the chapel and um, there's all sorts of community events. You know, it really is the center of life. Uh, and for me, 
when I first went there, it was a completely different experience for me. It was unlike anything I'd ever encountered in the U.S. I mean, growing up in kind of rural suburbia here in the States, um, you don't get the same sort of history that you get when you're abroad in Europe. So um, one of the beautiful things that I had first heard of and learned of while I was studying abroad was that phrase, frater memento mori, like brother, remember your death. And that idea of keeping in mind your temporal existence um, and depending, like having everything depend upon God, everything within yourself depend upon God. Um, So that was a big uh, kind of entry point into exploring and understanding what monastic life is, what that cloistered life is. It wasn't with a particular order there. It wasn't like I had suddenly encountered and I was discerning that or anything of the nature, but it was, as you say, you know, we have these, these encounters with beauty, right. And through art, um, through the art of the architecture, it was leading people to come together in a way that I had not experienced here in the United States. The whole concept of the piazza or the square in Europe is something so radically different than anybody who's grown up in a typical U.S. environment. So, um, you know, you were asking me about kind of my background and and my life, and that's kind of, uh, I think, a good turning point. I went on to study film um, in Florence, Italy. I wound up working in Rome uh, and made some really good friends there, um, some of whom have led me to work on this movie free. And, uh, yeah, I, I had worked in Los Angeles and like literally in Hollywood, um, like the Washington DC area as well. And then New York. So all over the place, coast to coast, a little bit abroad and, uh, all the projects I've worked on, I've had the privilege to work on a number of projects that are reflective or indicative of my faith. Um, but also some that are, you know, on the secular side of things, I, you know, I, I had some projects that I worked on, which had to do with exploration, deep sea exploration. And that wasn't something that was a faith-based project in any, any way, but I still think there are these beautiful ways that we can um, bring the beauty and grandeur of creation before the minds and the viewers of society. Right. So. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm, where I'm at. Like, you know, lots of, Lots of wins and twists and turns throughout the, the course of the past, I don't know how many years has it been. <laughs> like, I'm 40 now, so well, <laughs> I don't know. It's uh, It's been a journey oh, for sure. Yeah. And how did you, so you mentioned your time in, in Rome and studying, or um, were you studying there? You said, yes, you were studying. I studied, I studied an intensive film program in Florence. In Florence. And then okay. that was after college. Mm-hmm. And then I immediately, after that, I went to Rome. Wow. Yeah. So kind of what captured your attention to, to choose film, to study film? What made you want to do that? I, you know, I was the kid who had a bunch of friends who lived on farms and uh, lived, you know, we were in this like agricultural landscape. So I had a bunch of friends who lived um, kind of in that environment back home. And when I was in high school, I remember taking out my, it was essentially like a camcorder, um, uh, like a mini eight recording um, or like a, I forget what it was. It was probably like a mini eight. Um, 
recording device that we had that was a camera. This is before the time of digital, so it's kind of like really, um, we would record things just from our adventures. We'd make up like funny little skits. And I always had friends that were so willing and wonderful to participate while I was filming. So I loved doing that. I, I loved um, the movies that were starting to come out. So um, even among, you know, I, when I was in college, I remember being exposed to Italian neorealism. And that was something that touched me profoundly. I loved it so much. I loved the films of Fellini. I loved um, the heart and the, the, the beauty the comedy and the tragedy that he conveyed so well. Um, one of my favorite films of all time is La Strada. Um, and just the way that Julieta Messina captures her character in that film is magnificent. Um, so my experience of, of studying film, how I got into it was just by messing with it, you know, like messing with that, that medium um, and then wanting to create something that was professional and looked good. And then came the advent of digital cinematography, which kind of, there was a big argument. I remember when I was in college, which was, are you one of those people who's going to shoot digitally? Or are you one of those people who is going to um, stick to the craft, right? And nobody really in that time was sticking to the craft because it, unless you were in a completely cinematic um, education program where you're using razor blades to cut <laughs> your and edit. Like you're not slicing the way. I mean, everybody was using either. Um, I guess at that time we were using Avid. We were all using Avid to cut. So there was still a digital element, even if you did shoot on film. You had to transfer to digital and then edit that way. So um, we've come a long way, haven't we? We've yeah. all sorts of all sorts of um, Oh my goodness, formats and advancements in formats, I would say, for sure. I, I wanted to learn more about shooting using film. Um, and that's why I went to film school. That's why I wanted to do that. I, I thought for a while, maybe I would go into cinematography, become an editor. That's really where my trajectory was. Um, and I ended up not, uh, I, I was an editor for a while. I did work in editing, but uh my, my gears shifted and soon I ended up in the world of production mm -hmm. on the producing side. Yeah. And how have you found that to be um, a really captivating way to tell a story? Um, I feel like we've been talking about storytelling this whole time. Um, but what does that look like? How is it different? But also how is it still very captivating for that storytelling aspect of your heart to, to produce a film? I think there's something greatly satisfying to sit down with a notebook and just sketch something out or to sit down and write in your little notebook or, or do something very tangible that, you know, transfer the transfer of ideas from one's mind through one's mouth to the page, right. Or through one's pen to the page. There's something very gratifying in being able to do that. I think as we grow, we start to find out where our skills set, where our skill sets lie, right we start to see, okay, maybe I am not the best at lighting, um, but I'm really good at this. I'm really good at editing. Or maybe I'm not the best at editing and I'm much better at um, organizing, right? And I think as a, as a producer, one of the things that I have come to understand about myself 
is that I love seeing the big picture. I love seeing how things come together. And I love really being the bridge to people to make connections. Um, I don't, I don't like, you know, just hammering things out and getting it out the door. There's a, there's a certain level of satisfaction to seeing completed project for anybody. But in the context of working as a producer, I think one of the most gratifying things that I've experienced is knowing that I have connected with people on a human level. And, you know, nobody's perfect. We all kind of make mistakes. There are times where, you know, in the heat of a, of a production, you get frustrated or something doesn't work out or somebody doesn't show up or the equipment's broken or, you know, any number of issues. But I think learning to handle those with grace is something that is a skill set you have to practice and pray for mm. at the same time. So, yes. um, you know, being able to relate to each person within a production, knowing exactly where they are and what their skill is and helping them to develop and cultivate their skill is something that I love doing. So that's part of, as a producer, what I love doing. But these days I'm working more in um, consulting and strategy for media. And that's kind of my, um, that's kind of where I've landed after years. Um, Sorry for all of my ums. You might have to cut them out, Bailey. Oh, that's okay. No, (laughs) no worries. (laughs) That's a hard habit to break. Um, There I go again. So the, the, the work that I do in working with clients who are trying to expand either through a, a film campaign or a book launch or any sort of campaign where they're taking a, a finished product, something that they have put, poured their life into and bring it to people. That's where I get to be the bridge. I get to offer them experience in the consulting side of things and know precisely is this going to float is this going to be worth the time to invest in x y or z um is this going to be the sort of thing where we just want to let it go and um move on to the next element of the project and that could be whether it's like the marketing side of things it could be um the outreach the partnerships all of these things But when you're launching a film, there's so many people you're trying to reach. You're not just trying to reach the press. You're trying to reach um, entire communities of people. So, for example, I can speak to this particular project free. And and maybe I should tell you more about that, too. (laughs) Because we're this far in, and I feel like I'm just telling you about my work. And I would rather talk about free. So, um, Oh, I would love yeah. to hear about it. We love hearing about the artist and the person with us. So everything that, that you've said has been awesome. It's like, it's really good for us to hear, you know, right as individual artists and creating this community of creative Catholics, how people are living out their different journeys and how they got there. So no, that was perfect. Um, but yes, you can also now go into free if you'd like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so free is a film produced by Bosco Films coming and arriving to theaters across the United States in a widespread release through Fathom Events this Thursday, November 2nd, which is actually All Souls Day, but uh, it's playing at 7 p.m. So hopefully you catch them all, all Souls Mass at like noon or whenever you go to All, all Souls Mass. Um, but the film is releasing across the U.S. and had an unprecedented run in theaters in Spain. So we're talking 17 weeks in Spain. That's really unheard of. And the reason is this is a film not that is, it's not a Barbie or Oppenheimer. Mm -hmm. It's 
a film about the monastic life. So Free asks the question, why would a person give up a common life to enter the monastery or the cloister? What would move a person to do that and make a decision in life? And we've seen this before with Integrate Silence. Um, you know, the, the filmmaker Philip Gronig, I, I do not want to mispronounce his name either, but I probably am. Uh, he had waited like some 20 years to be able to enter with the, the Grand Chartreuse in, in France to go and speak with these monks. And uh, they, didn't, they didn't allow him to really record them speaking. They're, they're silent. They live in silence the majority of the time, right? And so he had this very beautiful, sweeping documentary that explored their common life and their rhythm of life. And it was mostly silent. You know, there was a few moments of laughter here and there. You know, you see the monks get into a snowball fight. This film, Free, is so radically different because for the first time ever, Bosco Films, as a filmmaking house, was granted permission to go and speak with 12 different monasteries. I say speak with in the sense that these monks and nuns were granted permission from their superiors to actually speak. And what makes this so intensely unique is the words with which they share their thoughts on meaning, purpose, vocation, life, death, work, all of these things. They are so, so intentional with their words. I get on here and I'm talking to you about life and I'm just like chit-chatting with you, Bailey. But when I hear these men and women speak, They've been thinking of these thoughts for some time. They've been praying and meditating on these thoughts. And it's like a spiritual masterclass. So when you go to see free, you're not just getting beautiful landscapes of Spain juxtaposed with the stark contrast of the monastery, but you're actually receiving a retreat in a film in a way. You're getting access to people who are very... Um, like they're amazing saints in, in, in the making, if not already saints. Like, I don't know if they're saints, but they're, they're certainly people who have had conversions, who are choosing something difficult, who are showing a different way. And I think this is primarily the most important thing to consider in our era in which we kind of have a growing technocratic movement in our world, where we place a lot of emphasis on growth of technology and expansion of businesses and economic growth, those can all be useful tools, but I think we've grown so rapidly that it's hard to stop and pause and consider what it means to be truly human in the context of our faith, right? Right. So film is something that's really, um, I mean, it's a mirror. It's a mirror. It's going to make you look at yourself and consider how you're living your life. Oh my gosh, that's beautiful. I'm getting goosebumps as you're talking because I'm just so deeply moved by by these people who choose the vocation to um, that contemplative life, right? Because I think for me, as someone who's so apostolic, like it just, it deeply moves me that their prayers and their simplicity is sustaining us as the church, right? To be able to have that both and like, I definitely lean towards the go, like, Lord, I want to do this thing for you, right? And they are so present with him, right? In that simplicity and being able to hear him, like you said, the intentionality with which they speak. I'm, I'm, 
I'm super excited. I, I've already, yeah, as I said, I've already got my tickets. <laughs> I'm super excited <laughs> to, to see and reflect and, and just watch the movie and allow it to really pierce my heart. Um, but for you, as you've been working for like for and with the community of Bosco films and, and this documentary, what has been something particularly moving for you personally, um, as you've been journeying the retreat, you know, this whole time? Yeah, I would say the intentionality of work and making and carving out space for vocation, whatever that may be in any moment of the day. So having a rhythm to my life where I'm able to stop and pause and give you my full attention if you're the person I'm speaking with. Give God my attention when I'm pausing for prayer and I try to do that more throughout the day. I mean, there are these like little things, again, Technology can help us if it can serve us in a way that is meaningful and doesn't take away from our humanity. So I like to put like notifications on my phone basically to ping me throughout the day at certain points just to be like, okay, it's 12 noon. Like, can you say a prayer now? And I focus in like a moment of prayer just then. Right. But then, you know, there's a certain hour that rolls around and I'm here with my family and my children and it is, so hard it is so hard and I will I cannot hammer this home enough for your listeners especially anybody who's just getting into the business or anybody who's kind of just starting out on their career path it is so difficult to stop and put the work down and shift your attention to your family or shift your attention to the person in front of you I think you know we have our phones in our pockets all day long they're in front of us all day long and yes, they can be a tool. And yes, things can be timely and important. Believe me, I have had to reach out to people very quickly and make changes on the fly for things. And sometimes there's a sense of urgency about it, right? But at the end of the day, and my husband always says this too, um, he'll say things to me like, just remember, it's just TV or it's just work. And it's not to diminish the, the, the power or the, the goodness of the work that you do, but it's to take a step back, a pause and a breath and say, okay, I am not made for my work. Like this work is meant to have something outside of me be um, developed and shared, right? And maybe there's parts of me that are entrenched in my work and that's okay, but I myself am not my work. I think it is very important to retain our humanity throughout our, our conversations. I didn't always live that way. I lived very anxiously <laughs> in the early part of my career. And now I can feel like I can feel the anxiety behind certain things, but it is so important. What I've taken away from these monks and sisters in the film is to look at moments and pockets of silence as restorative and ways of connecting with my Lord and remind me that I have people in my life who are not distractions, but are the, the, the meaning of my life. You know, my family is the most important thing to me. So um, you can be passionate about your work, but you also have to be passionate about your vocation. Your vocation is not just your work. Um, it is the people who are in your life. Oh yeah. That's so beautiful. And I think particularly, it's so good to hear you speak about that. Um, and it was funny because I was like, oh, Holy Spirit, I should ask her about the, the mix between her vocation 
to, you know, being married and having children and living in the world of film, because especially for our, our community here at JP Catholic, a lot of our students want to take that career path to go into film, right. And to have a family, but that's a big challenge. And, um, it was just so good to hear you speak about that. I don't know if, if you are willing to share any more about like maybe the challenges between balancing your time or anything like that, because I know for our community that would do a lot of good. Do you have any thoughts about balancing your work in the film industry and, and motherhood particularly as a female? Yeah, I do. I, I think, um, you know, I've worked on projects the past several years here and there. Um, taking time, you know, I've had to say no to projects. Um, in fact, there have been other films and projects from Bosco Films and Bosco Films CEO and the producer of Frey, Lucia, is one of my dearest friends. I respect her tremendously. She's amazing. I've said no to her in the past. I've told her, no, I can't help you in this project. I have to give attention to my kids right now. And it's not a phase of life. It's not a season of life that I can take on work right now. Um, so although I have worked on projects, in the past several years, I've also had to say no to certain things. That's not easy. And that's also not easy when you're just starting out on your career. I think that path is forged with um, lots of trial and error, lots of um, taking correction with proper humility and uh, cultivating an attitude that is meant to glorify and reflect the goodness that God shares with us, right? It's not always easy to do, especially when you're young and you're trying to promote yourself and you're trying to get attention for yourself too, right? I have been very good in my early years at being like, oh, look at my achievements. Like, look what I can do. And um, there's a place for that. Uh, it's your LinkedIn and your resume. And it's not, and you know, I mean, I think it's easy when you're when you're around other people and you're trying to land a job or you're trying to make connections like you kind of have to sell yourself a little bit. Right. But also just remember your humanity. You're not a commodity. You're a human with skills and your skills have a price. Um, you shouldn't sell yourself short of that. But also know that you have room for growth always. So um, making sure you have that space. If you feel called to marriage or family life or even religious life, really. Like, if you feel that call, but you also feel that call to put out into the deep and to have a career in filmmaking or in television, because I've done filmmaking, TV, and radio. Like, I've, I've gone full course, like, through all three. So just always have something to call you back, whether it's a spiritual director, whether it's a spiritual practice, or even adapting a spiritual practice that maybe has gotten, like, a little bit stale. Like, if you're the person who's been praying the rosary daily like for your whole life and suddenly you're like I feel like I need something different it's okay it's okay to like you know try something else like I have the hello app I love it I love being able to listen to talks I love like there's different institutes out there that give free talks um the catholic what is it the institute for catholic culture is amazing they have college level courses for things you might like want to consider and and meditate on whether it's scripture or whatever you know, and you guys know everything, like the the Father Mike Schmidt podcasts and whatnot. There's so many different ways that you can kind of find new avenues to maintain a spiritual practice. But having a spiritual practice at any given point in your life, somebody you can rely on, somebody you can check in with, I think is so important, especially if you're working in secular media. 
Mm. Oh my gosh, that was such great advice. And, and so beautiful to know, like something to call you back, I think is so important. Like that still small voice, that person who really knows your heart and really the person who's going to remind you to look at Jesus, right? <laughs> to be like, at the end of the day, it's that audience of one. It's that, that, that face-to-face time with Christ. That's the most important person to see you, to know you, um, and, and to cherish you. Right. Um, and so, yeah, thank you so much for that. I actually, I kind of want to pivot into our quote. We don't have much, too much time left, but it's funny because as I was looking, I forgot to read the letter to artist quote because I got so excited and we were running around before this. Um, and I got so excited. I forgot to read our letter to artist quote, which is the kind of the lens at which we've been crafting this episode, which is funny because you actually said something so beautiful in the beginning of the episode, the, um, that it's history blended with spirituality, looking at the lives of the saints. And our letter to artist quote is actually this, the history of art, therefore is not only a story of works produced, but also a story of men and women works of art speak of their authors they enable us to know their inner life and they reveal the original contribution which artists offer to the history of culture. I just like, and that is so funny to me that that's the, the quote and that's from JP2's letter to artists. Um, but I want to ask you, Amanda, um, I, I love how this line captures the heart of the artist and um, in your time producing and being um, kind of this mediator right between the, like the inter- international um, distribution stuff, how... How has that allowed you to express yourself while also looking for truth? Like in helping to express, oh, this is a confusing question maybe, in helping to express the heart of the story you're telling. Um, so maybe how have you found like in your search for truth, right? In calling you back to Christ, how has this job, especially with free, um, sort of helped you look deeper into your own heart while trying to reveal the heart of another person, if that makes sense? <laughs> mm. Yeah, I mean, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I would say it's easy to hammer off an email. It's easy to make make an ask. It's easy to make, well, maybe it's not easy to make cold calls, right? But when you put thoughts and intentionality into those works, it shows and reveals something about you. And it shows a concern for the other person too. I can't tell you how many times in my youth I had emailed people and didn't get answered, right? And then as I grew and I started to look up to people and have people mentor me and shepherd me in my work, I started to realize that I didn't want just to, you know, be in the room. I didn't want to just be a part of something. I I wanted to have human connections and human relationships. I wanted those to grow. I wanted to have the satisfaction of working with people that were like-minded and had um, great skills and talents that I could compliment and they could compliment. And so to answer your question, the ways that I've grown and the ways that, you know, I hope I'm answering this the right way. (laughs) (laughs) the ways that I have grown through this movie um, it's, it's calling me on to take, take account and take stock of my day and the minutes of my day. And it's taking, it's, it's forcing me to move more slowly, but with more intentionality. And I find that when we do that, 
we're able to make better connections with people. I emailed, for example, um, a well-known Christian pastor who has a book out and is young and very upcoming. And I made reference to that book, but not just reference the book. Like I wrote him a nice heartfelt email that had to do with some of the content that he had written and some of the things he had spoken on in a podcast. And I did get an, I did get a response back. You know, it, it might not be the response that you want. It might not be like, yes, how can I promote the new project you're working on? But it's about forging connections that are meaningful. And I feel that that is truly an expression of the church as like the body of Christ. We talk about the body of Christ. Um, and the people of God, like we are connected in those ways. So you don't know necessarily, even if, even if that person doesn't come through for an ask that you might have on a particular project or request or job interview or anything like that, by showing them the type of person that you are and the, and the desire of your heart, it reveals your inner disposition reveals, um, or your writing or your, your connection with them reveals something um, that is shared. And I think Christians recognize that with one another. I'm not sure if I answered your question oh. correctly, but I, I, I can say that that's definitely something that's really resonating with me as I'm taking stock of my time and hours in the day and how I'm spending them. Yeah, that was absolutely beautiful. And um, it actually made me think of one more question and I hope that we're not pushing it too much in our time, but um, maybe a- quickly uh, the Again, the phrase works of art speak to their authors. They enable us to know their inner life and reveal the original contribution which artists offer to the history of culture. And I'm wondering if you're able to explain a little bit about the mission of Bosco Films and then end us out with just reminding us of the things. But because that's revealing the heart of their author, right? Like the mission of Bosco Films and and that the work of art which they're clearly creating with Free is something really telling of who they are as a film company. Yeah, and I'll, I'll I'll wrap it up with this because this is really important. I would say this is probably um, the key to Bosco Films and their work. So long story short, um, the CEO of Bosco Films, the founder of it, is Lucia ben- Gonzalez. Sorry, I'm gonna I'm just in a like a weird kind of uh, <laughs> I don't know what's going on with my with my words as they come out of my mouth. Lucia Gonzalez Barandiaran. She is one of my dearest friends. And uh, we met in Rome. We met in Rome working, and she did a great, um, a great work as an international journalist at Rome Reports. That's where we met. So we remained friends. We went on to work together on the movie Bella. Um, we were both on the marketing team there, and um, we became roommates when we moved to Los Angeles. Um, bringing it full circle, um, she went to her, you know, her path, returned to Spain. I returned to the East Coast and um, moved to New York years ago. And so we've always kind of kept in touch and always support each other in each other's projects. Um, And then, so she founded Bosco Films under the principle of, if you think of a park in the center of a city, breathing uh, life and air, fresh air out into the city, that is the goal of Bosco Films. Now, I was shocked when I first saw the movie Free because there is, uh, I believe it's a sister who says essentially the same thing about monastic and cloistered life. She said, we are useless, right? We are seen as useless. And people will say things about the, the sisters. They, people have these mis- 
you know, these judgments or um, misconceptions about religious life, but they speak about being the lungs or the life of the city and those around them. They speak about through their prayer and their life offered in prayer, how they sustain and help others. Right. And they're not saying that it's them doing it. It's God's grace working through them and they're offering back to God. It is this um, beautiful offering that is fueling this life going back into the church. Right. We have, and I say it in a metaphorical sense, and I, I know that's what she meant. It's, just, it's that you can look at a monastery or a cloister and say, hey, it looks useless. You can look at entertainment and say, it's just a movie. It's just a, you know, a film or a TV show. It's just here to entertain me. But if you look deeper and you pull back those layers, you will see that actually what Bosco Films is doing is trying to elevate um, intellectually, spiritually, for beauty, goodness, and truth, right? So that's a very JP2 kind of mission. Oh, yes. Um, and and the sisters and the monks, like, they're doing the same thing in a way. They're, through their prayer, they are making that offering of their life to God. Mm. And through that, it helps the entire church, maybe not in ways that we can see. Maybe it's not a tangible thing. But there is somebody out there praying for you, Bailey. Like there's somebody who's praying for me. They may not know that we exist, but they're out there praying for us, right? right. They may say, like, I offer my life right now for whoever needs it most in this moment, whoever needs prayer right now. That could be you. That could be me. That could be anybody, right? And so um, I don't have the depth of spiritualism that these monks and sisters do. But the movie Free, I mean... It, it, it was life changing for me in my work and my habits and in the way that I look at the world. Right. So I think it's a really meaningful, powerful film. And I hope that, I hope that listeners will go check it out. Me too. Amanda, thank you so much for your time, for being here. Um, and just for sharing this, um, sharing your heart, sharing your time and talent to make a film like this. This is really our mission here at JP Catholic to impact culture for Christ. And clearly this film is doing that. So we really, we really are proud to be partnering with you guys to promote the film. Thank you. And I just want to be clear. I am the person who is on the back end, hoping to share this film, form international partnerships and work on the promotional side of it. My work is really, um, these days in campaigns and, um, promotional kind of marketing and that sort of thing that has to do with films and you know from time to time being a spokesperson like today yeah. <laughs> um, but I I would say like the thrust of this film is due to um, the wonderful beautiful people who opened their hearts and said yes those monks and sisters and the team from Bosco Films the director also the director Santos Blanco who is an up-and-coming amazing director his style is gorgeous i see traces of beauty like in every little corner of the frame it, it's it's really stunning so um i can't take credit for any of the production on this particular project but i can say i hope that people go out and see it november 2nd and uh let it change your life thank you so much amanda we'll just end in a quick prayer we cover ourselves in the whole world in the blood of christ in the name of the father and the son of the holy spirit amen come holy spirit Lord, we give you thanks and praise for this day, for this time together. Thank you for um, the gift of filmmaking, for the gift of storytelling, for the ways that it's able to capture your beauty, 
and able to share the lives of your beloved ones, that we are able to inspire one another with our actions and with the ways that we honor you, Lord. We ask you to help continue to draw us closer into your heart, into the deep of the wellspring of your love. And we ask this through the intercession of our blessed mother, hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the father and of the Mm -hmm. son and of the Holy spirit. Amen. Thank you so much, Amanda. Thank you. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. You, if you want to learn more about Free the Movie, which I know that you do, you want to check it out at www.freethemovie.org. A reminder that it is going to be released this week on Thursday, November 2nd. This new documentary is being released in the U.S. theaters. So look up your local theater times and showings. We're seeing it here in Escondido. If you're a SoCal native, there will be playing at the Regal Theaters with Fathom Events. Um, And so we are super excited as JP Catholic community to be supporting this film and we will all be going to see it. Um, But for any of you out there, make sure to look up local theater times around you. Again, it's on Thursday, November 2nd that you're going to want to check out free the movie. Um, And yeah, you'll have to let us know what you think. Interact with us at this episode or on our Instagram. Um, We want to hear what you think about it. All right. Reminder that I'm your host, Bailey Garland, signing off with some encouragement for your day. Be not afraid. You artists who perceive in yourselves this kind of divine spark. As poet, writer, actor, architect, sculptor, musician, feel the obligation not to waste this talent, but to develop it, to put it at the service of your neighbor and of humanity as a whole. May the beauty which you pass on to generations still to come be such that it will stir them to wonder. Society needs you, artists. The world in which we live needs beauty.